It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I'm going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is late Thursday evening. I apologize for the delay. There were uh, a number of issues that I had to deal with today, and and uh, I'm just happy to be here recording. I'm happy to be able to, to bring this to you because we have a lot to talk about. And one of the things that, that I think I'm going to do over the course of the offseason is I talked last show about why I want to space these shows out a little bit and put the show on Thursday. I want to be able to, to amass the greatest possible amount of time in between our Tuesday show and and when we have our last show of the week to allow things to break, for allow things to happen. Now, this Thursday is is moot because basically everything that that we I would want to talk about or needed to talk about happened earlier in the week, and so uh, and we have this this preset cornerback discussion that we're going to have at the end of the show about, with a positional review, but that's not all we're going to talk about. There is a lot of other things that we're going to talk about, but what we're what the expectation should be is that the Thursday show is going to be, generally speaking, a late afternoon, early evening show. It gets pushed out then, so it will not be ready for your morning commute on Thursday because what I'd like to do is give the whole day over the course of Thursday rather than, than getting you the show in the morning, the whole afternoon the whole morning and afternoon and, and early evening potentially as as things can start to happen because once we get into March, free agency is going to be a thing. And in February, there's going to be a, the combine and there's going to be all sorts of things going on then. So uh, I really I want to maximize the amount of time that, that we have to gather information. All of that said, let's start with the press conference that was held earlier in the week we heard from Mike McCarthy, we heard from new offensive coordinator Joe Philbin, and we heard from new defensive coordinator Mike Pettin. And there are some interesting things in all of their comments, although in some ways Mike McCarthy tried to not, not be interesting as he often does try to be, although he ends up being accidentally in a lot of ways. But the thing that stands out to me is he said... Philbin is coming in and they're basically tearing down the the playbook and they're starting not from scratch because they have such congruent offensive philosophies. They've been in this offense together, but what I think you can expect to see is some more creativity formationally, more creativity in the play call, in the game plan, in the play design. This offense was at its best with Joe Philbin and I understand that there is the stigma associated with what happened with him in Miami. And this is the story with Mike Pettin as well. 
I don't think it's fair to hold those guys to that standard or to hold them, hold it against them how their head coaching careers ended. In fact, Mike Pettin said straight up, I don't want to be a head coach again. And he admitted after his Browns tenure, that beat me up. And what he said was he compared it to being a teacher that gets promoted to being a principal. And what he realized is, I just want to teach. And that's what a coordinator is relative to a head coach. And plenty of head coaches keep the responsibilities as a play caller, as a designer, or whatever it is. But you have other administrative duties that you have to take care of. If you're a defensive-minded head coach, you still need to understand what the offense is doing and sign off on it. And maybe you need to be in some offensive meetings. And maybe you need to be around special teams more. And I think Mike McCarthy has had his hands in a lot of different places. And what he really needed was someone he can trust to run the offense. And he wanted he wanted to be an advocate for Edgar, Edgar Bennett. He wanted to help him soar. He had a lot of faith in Edgar Bennett. And when he promoted him, it was with the idea that they were going to be co-offensive coordinators, really, because McCarthy still calls the plays. And so they could have this good working relationship, and there is a, a, a symbiosis there. But the problem is, when the offense bogs down, and McCarthy is trying to help with the defense, and he's trying to help with special teams, he is losing the time to help out with the offense. And the reality was, Edgar Bennett just isn't the, the seasoned coach yet. Now, that's not to say that he deserved to be let go. But what I'm saying is the Philbin rehire signals to me that what Mike McCarthy wanted was someone he trusted to just take care of it. Anyone who's ever been a boss or even just even if you've had a boss, there are a lot of people, managers, who what they want is they just they want you to handle it. And I think McCarthy probably wanted to be a part of the process, but he realized he has to be a part of so many processes that it became hard to devote the amount of time that he felt he needed to to the offense, and perhaps what he needed to do was to have a more seasoned veteran hand at the controls of his offense. And and more to the point, needed someone who could come in with working knowledge of this offense, who he trusted, to revamp it, to rework it. And he felt like it was time, that was the, the phrase that, that Philbin used, that it was just time for him to come back. I don't want this to be an indictment of Edgar Bennett because I, you know, I, I'm, I loved him as a player. I think he's a great guy. And, and by all accounts, Mike McCarthy raved about him as a coach. They wanted to keep him as a coach. They just felt they needed to bring in this, this other voice, this more experienced voice to fix this offense. And I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm extrapolating here. I'm making guesses about what's going on in Mike McCarthy's head, and maybe that's not fair. But to me, that's what makes sense. And so what they need to do is they need to fix, this was something I talked about on Twitter, and some people asked, what do you mean? They need to fix the geometry of this offense. An offense is like, if you think about spacing in a basketball game, okay, if you have shooters along the perimeter, a defense can't load up in the paint to stop you from getting to the rim because you can shoot. And if you can't shoot, they're going to they're gonna load the paint. They're going to say, we dare you to drive the ball. And if you can't, you're going to have to take jump shots, which we know you're not good at. 
And so this is one of those things that an NFL offense functions in much the same way. If you can't attack the middle of the field, you're much easier to defend. If you can't attack every quadrant of the field, if you can't attack the sidelines, you become easier to defend. If you can't t- attack deep, you become easier to defend. And so what has to what has to happen is the pieces have to fit together. And so prime Jordy Nelson could attack down the field. Prime Randall Cobb could then attack the middle of the field because what Jordy Nelson does by threatening a defense deep is he opens up the middle of the field. Okay, now he's going to attack the middle of the field. The Packers have always had someone who could attack underneath. They run those slants or they run screens or you have, you, you know, they had Jermichael Finley or they had... Devontae Adams on slants, or they had James Jones on the sidelines. The geometry of these offenses made sense. They no longer have someone who can threaten defenses deep. Jordy Nelson can still run in a straight line. He can still get down the field. And I think over the course of the season, you would have seen him make some plays down the field because the Packers saw a lot of single high safety. I don't want to overlearn that lesson because the Packers saw a lot of single high safeties because Brett Hundley was in the game and they were daring the Packers to beat them through the air. Aaron Rodgers sees mostly two shell, two deep safeties, and so the Packers have to attack underneath. What they need to be able to do better, and is something that they couldn't do after Philbin left, because the Packers offense had become so effective at creating big plays. Basically, everyone said, we're going to play two safeties deep. You want to run the ball. You want to throw five-yard passes. Go ahead. All day, you can do it. And what they need to do is they need to find ways to still attack teams deep and to get those safeties in uncomfortable positions, to find those places on the seam where they can get open. And what they really need against a two-shell defense is someone to attack the middle of the field, a move tight end. And they just don't have that. And so that's something that they have to address address moving forward. We're going to get to Mike Pettin and what he said about this defense in just a second. But before we do, I want to remind you about our pro football focus, Edge giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value and gets you access to things like fantasy projections, rankings, tools, charts, NFL draft coverage, player grades, snap counts, mountains of data that is normally behind a paywall that you could have for free. All you need to do to enter the contest is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. 
The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, that's what threw a couple nuggets out on Allen. And I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. I don't want to dig too deeply into the Mike Patton defense at this point because there's going to be a lot of time for that. It's going to dovetail into our discussion on the on the cornerbacks. But here is something, just just some bullet points that I that I want you to be able to take away from this. Mike Patton runs multiple fronts. He he said. You know, the 3-4-4-3 delineation is a little less relevant because of how much nickel is being played, but he he essentially confirmed that they're going to run the 4-3 and, and some mixed fronts, but that is going to be the base that they're going to play. And I have an article about it when it was theoretical from the fall that is pinned to my Twitter profile. It is the top the top link. You can go there, click it. I wrote about what that, that defense is going to look like. And essentially, the way it, it differs from what they were t- traditionally running, and they were they were playing a, a variant of the 4-3 with Dom Capers, is you're going to have Nick Perry and three defensive linemen. And those guys are coming every play. So you're going to have a Leo, and then you're going to have three defensive linemen. Now, now Matthews could play that opposite side. And in, in New York, they had guys that could do that. In Buffalo, and Mike Patton talked about this, it was much clearer... Who were the guys that could rush and who couldn't? In in New York, they could do both. Guys could drop, guys could rush. And so you never knew where the rushers were coming from. In Buffalo, it was much clearer. Okay, Mario Williams, he's coming. Now, what that means is then there's there's a Sam linebacker. That'll be Clay Matthews in, in all likelihood. And then there's two linebackers, depending on... The, in a base alignment, there'd be two other linebackers, Blake Martinez and... Someone In the article, I suggest that it's Josh Jones. Because I'm thinking about the the Seahawks defense. They run this defense. And they use, that is where Mike Pettin was last season. 
They use KJ Wright. Why not use Josh Jones as your speed cover linebacker? Now that means you need to either sign someone or you need to or you need to bring back Morgan Burnett because now you still had need a safety. But even if you didn't, you could still play nickel out of that formation. And instead of Morgan Burnett, you could have a corner on the field. So you could have Randall, King, and whoever the third corner is going to be, whether it's someone they draft, whether they bring back Devon House, whether it's going to be Hawkins or Pipkins or whatever. But this defense is going to be aggressive. It's going to be multiple. He used that word a number of times, and it's one of those coach-speak words. But they understand. Mike Pettin understands that if a quarterback knows what you're in, you're already at a disadvantage. This is something Mike Zimmer understands so well. They show one defense and constantly switch into other defenses after the snap. Now, they play a different scheme in Minnesota, but the point is pre-snap disguise is something that Dom Capers had really stagnated with. Teams seemed to always understand where the blitzers were coming from. They were always able to block them up. And so the other thing that, that is important here is Mike Patton emphasized we need to stop the pass first. That needs to be our priority. He was asked, why have you always had such good passing defenses? And he said, because we prioritize it, because we emphasize it. It's important to stop the run, but the quickest way to get beat is to give up passing plays. And Mike Pettin understands that. And I think that is that is an important step for this defense. I was very impressed with Pettin in his press conference. He he seems very smart. He has a, He has a really good understanding. And I think the time away from the game, frankly, I think it helped him. I think it had set him on a course to be here now. And I think he is ready. He's excited to get back to work, to get back to teaching. And, you know, I had some people, I, I, I have been posting about, you know, all the, all the great defenses he's coached. And there's a lot of people who responded and said, well, they had great corners. And, and I pointed out that's not really true. But we're going to talk about those corners in just a second. Before we do, I want to talk about mybookie.ag. There's one Super Bowl every year. It is your big chance to score big with mybookie.ag. MyBookie is the best online betting site you could find. They've got a great mobile app. They've got the fastest payouts. And you can do live in-game betting on their mobile site just right from your couch. You can be at your Super Bowl party. You can have some Doritos, maybe a little Fritos, maybe an adult beverage. And you can be making bets live on the Super Bowl. It it is really, truly amazing. You don't have to go to any casino, nothing like that. Right on your smartphone, you can be betting. You could be be winning money. And if you use the promo code LOCKDOWN, you'll get up to a 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Before we get to the actual positional review, I just I just want to I want to make it known that it's my expectation that the Packers are going to play a lot more man coverage this year. Now they are going to mix coverages. They're going to play some zone, they're going to play some man, but I think they're going to play a lot a lot of man coverage. And I think that is good news for Devon House because he came to Green Bay he came to Green Bay to play man. They didn't play as much as we thought they would. And when he was healthy, he made some plays. Now, he also got beat some, but that's going to happen. He does not have to be the number one corner. He was brought in to be that. He's not that. Damaris Randall showed enough. 
to prove that he can be that when he puts his mind to it. And we saw from Kevin King some potential. Maybe he is good enough to be a number, a true number one. He certainly has the talent for it. But let's start in, and I think the easiest place for me to start, and that is with Quentin Rollins. And he was, statistically speaking, one of the worst corners in football. Truly. When teams wanted to throw at Quentin Rollins, they did. They completed passes, and he got torched. He's just not fast enough. He's not explosive enough. He's not dynamic enough. And maybe you could use him in a rover role, you know, an adjusted Micah Hyde role. Maybe he can play safety. But this is already a guy who's still learning how to play. And I think at a certain point, you just have to say, this was a blown pick, and we're going to cut our losses. And maybe they don't cut him, but maybe he's the fifth corner, the sixth corner. He cannot be a rotational player. He wears 24, just like Jared Bush. And I think Packer fans should be just as nervous when he's on the field, playing corner anyway, as they were when Jared Bush was doing that. He just isn't an NFL corner. Now, the other starter to open the season with him was Devon House, who I mentioned. And he fought some injuries. He played hurt at various points over the course of the season. And that that was an issue for him in Green Bay the first time. I think House gets a C plus. It can't be any higher than that because he didn't make enough plays. But I don't think it be, it can be lower than that because he was a stabilizing force in this defense. Outside of him, they really only had one player in Demarius Randall who they felt comfortable playing outside who had any experience doing that. Now, they had to put Kevin King in the lineup because Rollins was so bad and because Randall was in the doghouse to open the season. But... Devon House was the constant. He was the guy that they trusted. And that is that is interesting. And so what does that mean for him moving forward? I think, you know, he he got a, a pretty small contract to come to Green Bay, a one-year, $3 million deal. Would he come back for that same amount? Would they want him back? I think they would want him back, especially at that amount. Because at $3 million, you know, he could be your fourth corner and you'd be happy about it. He can give you quality rotational corner stats, snaps. He's just not a number one. And that's fine. That's fine. That's why he's a C plus. He was fine. The plus is for being the constant, for being consistent. Never great, never terrible. He had some bad plays. He had some great plays. C plus. Speaking of Demarius Randall, so he he started the year in the slot, eventually ended up playing outside and in the slot. I'm going to give him a B. It would be higher, no pun intended, it would be higher if the the beginning of the season hadn't happened that way because he was he was bad to start the year. He got in the doghouse. And then there was that controversy where it was, did he leave the field? Did he not leave the field? Was he there? What was he doing? And after that, there was there was seemingly no punishment for it. He came back and started playing well. And they started playing his ass off. And he, he, he got a couple of interceptions that were off tip balls. And that seemed to ignite him a little bit. He had that great interception against the Steelers. Where he basically took the ball away from the receiver. He had the pick six against Dallas. He's a playmaker. He can be the number one corner. I have, I have been a Demarius Randall fan 
since 2015. I saw him as a rookie, and he didn't give up a completion for weeks. Casey Hayward started outside, and then in nickel, they would move Hayward inside, and they put Randall outside. He can play. He's still learning how to play, but he can play. He has got playmaker instincts. And I think he is going to be a building block for this team. I think Mike Patton is going to love using him. I think he may use him in different kinds of ways. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in a slot, to see him in some in some combo and disguise coverages where he's actually end, ends up as a safety. He's shown some, uh, you know, some ability as a blitzer. I'd like to see some more plays like that. He was a, he was a favorite of mine coming out of the draft as a safety out of Arizona State. He can play all over the field. And so I'd like to I'd like to see that. I think that would be interesting. Kevin King, I, I think he's a B because you have to grade him on a curve. He has to be graded based on what he is. He's a rookie. He is he, he does not you don't grade his performance this season based on compared to other NFL players. You just don't. That doesn't make any sense. He got Drew Brees torched him. And he got he got beat up some other times. He also made some he, he was a willing tackler and he played hurt. He played hurt all year, basically. Hopefully they can get the shoulder sorted out. But, you know, he showed toughness. He showed heart. And he showed a willingness to tackle that I think is a big deal. He plays with a swagger. And I like that. But there's no more, no more, no more curve next year. You got to play. Josh Hawkins, also a C plus. You're talking about your fifth or sixth corner coming in and giving you quality snaps. He's, he's never going to be a starter. He's never going to be a high-level player. He came in and gave them snaps when they needed some snaps. And the defense didn't completely fall apart at the end of the year when he needed to be playing basically de facto starter snap. Now, it didn't fall apart relative to the, what it was the rest of the season, which is not very good, but you understand. And then Lindsey Pipkins, this is, again, this is grading on a curve because he's a rookie and because he only got to play the last few games. He's a B-. minus. He did some nice things. He got beat a little bit late in the year, got beat up in that Lions game, but I thought he played great against Minnesota. He's got some special teams ability. For what he's going to be, That he did his job. And if he can be your fourth or fifth corner moving forward, you're fine with that. If he needs to make a spot start, you can live. There's some potential there. He's got tools. And as we close, I just I wanted to look at a little bit some of the free agents that are out there on, on the top tier, there's Tremaine Johnson and Malcolm Butler. Both are going to cost you double digit millions. Tremaine spot track has it at 11 million projected market value. Malcolm Butler, 13 million projected market value. So you're talking, you know, if you go five years, Malcolm Butler is going to be getting 65 million. That's Stefan Gilmore money. That's a lot. Now to me, Mike Patton has proven that he doesn't need those kinds of guys to make his system work. They did it in Buffalo without without really any elite corner talent. He had Gilmore in Buffalo, actually, but but Gilmore had not quite ever been able to put it together, frankly. He's, it's mostly been flashes for him. But that secondary in Cleveland is Joe Hayden and a bunch of dudes. So, And I, I don't think it's as dependent on a singular talent as maybe it, it, is, it has been made to seem. Now, in the middle... I think someone like Patrick Robinson could make some sense. He's probably going to get seven-ish million. Former first-round pick. You know, no one really wanted him, and the Eagles signed him, and he's played really well for the Eagles. Had that pick six against Case Keenum in the NFC Championship game. I think you know if the Eagles don't re-sign him, and they're going to have some cap issues potentially, he could be someone that that Green Bay finds attractive and Prince of Mukamara, the Chicago Bear. 
another middle tier type player. He got seven million from Chicago last year. Do they want to bring him back or do they want to pay big money? Well, maybe big money for Kyle Fuller, who's their former number one pick. And then in the bargain department, I think bringing back Devon House at $3 million makes sense. I think keep an eye on Nikel Roby Coleman, who the Rams signed for under a million dollars, but who is a, a solid nickelback. He's undersized, but he is, he is dynamic with the ball in his hands. And he's fast. And he can play the slot. He was in Buffalo with Mike Pettin before, so there's that connection. And then the other name that I, that I like is Aaron Colvin, the Jacksonville Jaguar. Uh, he played the slot for them. But he's he's a six foot, two hundred plus pound corner. Tore his ACL at the Senior Bowl. Otherwise, I think he would have been higher than a fourth round pick. Twenty sixteen, he had a serious ankle injury, but played this year. Played on that number one passing defense, and I don't think he's going to cost a huge amount for any team. So he could be someone the Packers look at in free agency. I think corner is a place that they need to spend. They don't need to spend big, but they need to spend because. The guys on the roster right now, they have two quality starters, Randall and King. But if you don't have three corners, you don't have a defense, and you need a fourth and a fifth just to be solid rotational guys because people are going to get hurt. This is the NFL. We're going to be back Monday. We'll be back Monday, Tuesday, Thursday next week again, and we're going to have a lot more to talk about. I want to talk about the, the piece that I wrote on why... We could see a more aggressive GM in the front office based on the history of former Ted Thompson GMs when given the opportunity to soar, spread those wings. We could see an aggressive offseason from Brian Gutekinds in his first year as general manager. We're going to talk about that. Next week, I think we need to talk about the safeties. It's a, it's a logical follow-up for the corners. That'll be a little bit shorter discussion, but it'll be interesting because there's some interesting free agent decisions to be made. Do you bring back Morgan Burnett? Do you bring in someone like Kenny Vaccaro? There are some names out there that I think are worth discussing, and so we'll get to all of that next week. For now, the Pro Bowl is this weekend. I don't know if you're going to watch it. I probably won't watch it, but you know what you can do? You can go to mybookie.ag and you can bet on the Pro Bowl. Yes, you can. I won't tell anyone if you do it. And Devontae Adams and Mike Daniels are going to be there. Maybe maybe bet on Devontae to score a touchdown. That could be fun. There's going to be a whole lot more to talk about as we move through the offseason. So, as always, you need to stay locked on. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.